All right, welcome back to the e-commerce playbook podcast. I am here today with a different episode than anything we've done before. Um, as usual, we've got the full work from home life going, recording remotely um, uh, with uh, Jake Cohen, the head of product marketing at Clavio. Jake, how's it going? Good. Nailed the name. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the so, company name. <laughs> yeah, company. Yeah, did people? People. I was gonna say people don't miss Jake Cohen, do they? That's, that's pretty straightforward. No, no. Good. But Clavio, we had to make phonetic pronunciation T-shirts to help people know it's Clavio. So great work. Yeah, I used. I actually, when I was at Kalo in the early days, a silicone wedding ring company, I was a media buyer there. I I remember like I had to create ads for when people for misspellings of the name, and everybody yep. would say Qualo <laughs> and like all you know, and you realize like that's our own fault. It's not. Yep. It's like, it's <laughs> exactly. Like, there's nobody to blame but us. It's a hard thing to say. <laughs> totally um, right. But yeah, full work from home life. You may hear a little bit of my wife teaching uh, high school Spanish in the background via Zoom. So, uh, so if that's the case, you just listen in. It's two for one. You can learn a little bit of Spanish along the way while you get get your ecom knowledge. Um, so, um, so Jake is here today. A different episode, like I said. Um, typically, so far on this podcast, we've done you know, fifteen minutes. It's uh, fifteen fifteen ish minutes. Wow. Uh, and uh, and we've and we've sort of stayed focused. Uh, the 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 sound of just my voice talking about what's going on for over hundred. But Jake is here today because um, Jake, how many like how many uh, clients data do you have access to at a given time? Uh, roughly. 32,600. Okay, so that's a little more than my three brands. And even when I pull in the data that we have from Common Thread Collective and, and obviously 4x400's connection to that, um, if, you're, if you're new to this, if you're, if you're coming to us through Jake in some way, 4x400 um, is basically the wing of Common Thread Collective, a digital sales agency um, that uh, acquires, operates, grows um, e-commerce brands ourselves. So we, we are the in-house brand holder for... Um, connected to an agency, so uh, I lead that part of the business, and um, and so we've got our three brands. We talk about that. Jake though um, has a view to that, and and kind of wanted to stop a little bit of the week to week and check in a little bit. Now that the sort of shock has worn off, and I actually I'm curious, Jake, if you've felt the same thing. Uh, the shock has worn off, like uh, just to kind of pulse check on sort of where things are starting to settle in the in the coronavirus world of e-commerce. So. Um, so, I mean, do you feel like that's a fair characterization of where things are at? I, I feel like I sat in meetings, you know, the day before the work from home order came um, and was like, what's going to happen? We've got to be thought leaders. we got to get cra-. like just it was kind of just like a whirlwind of data. And Aaron Orndorff um, from the CTC side, you know, was going just nuts building data every day, tons of updates. I know you guys have done a lot of that stuff, but it feels to me like it's starting to settle. Do you think that's a fair characterization or am I in a weird little world where that feels that way? No, I, I, I think that's right. I think it's, um, settle isn't really the word that I'd use. I, I'd almost say like things are just a little more clear because what we're seeing, um, from a sales perspective is sales are not like flattening. Like I just, I got a report this morning. We, we, so every single day, our head of business intelligence messages a handful of us and says, here's what happened yesterday. And, uh, yesterday's aggregate sales was the second highest that we've ever seen, same same stores, um, with the exception of last Monday, this entire year. And so, like, you know, I, 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 my personal opinion hypothesis is that's going to keep going. Um, so settle's not the increase, quite right. The increase is going to keep going yeah, or it's going to yeah. plateau and stay flat? Like, 
I, I think the increase is going to keep going. And I have a few reasons why I can, I can share, but so, so it's, it's not as much settle. It's like, I think, it's almost like I guess settled. They've, people have found their groove, and yeah, like there's right. less uncertainty as what what is what people are going to do. Yeah, that's that's what I suppose I mean more than settle is not that like uh, <clears throat> sales have settled so much as like the the kind of like winners and losers are starting to be clearer, and the sort of like the trend is starting to be clearer. That's my yeah. S- but you know, I guess I, now that I say that, like I'm realizing that's just from my. Like you're actually a much better source on that. You have just way more visibility to what's going on um, than than any of us. So, so why why do you, so you think sales are going to keep keep rising, keep increasing for a while? Yeah, and uh, actually, e-commerce sales. Yes, and to correct myself, I looked at this data wrong. Yesterday was the highest day, except for sorry, two days ago was the highest day, except for last Monday. Yesterday was the highest day of the year <laughs> uh, by like a good amount. So. Yesterday, Here's yesterday what I, I saw that everywhere, and we're recording this on um, on Thursday, 16th. April sixteenth. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's the day after the stimulus checks started to hit people's accounts, and there was a lot of conversation, a lot of chatter yesterday about maybe that being a huge reason why sales were up. Ever. I mean, we had a record day for for one of our brands yesterday. Besides Black Friday, Cyber Monday last year, we we. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah. actually going to write a piece on this. I think because we're going to see it in the data. And I want to get the anecdotal stuff too. So, um, but anyways, here's why I think sales is going to keep going um, and where. So uh, I believe we actually, so literally fresh off the presses, we do a consumer survey every day. And what we, one of the questions we started asking people is when do you think brick and mortar stores will start to open? And over 50% of respond, sorry, only 14% of people thought that they would open in April. Only 44% of people thought they would open in May. Everyone else is like later or I have no idea. And so what does that mean when you translate that? It means that people are starting to think ahead of what they'll need to buy and where they're going to get it. So you have number one, people are at home and they continue to need stuff, replenishing or just coming up with new ideas. So that's driving e-commerce sales. Number two, brick and mortar stores are closed and not opening really anytime soon. And so people are thinking about stuff that they'll need in the future. (laughs) <laughs> not just what they need right now. And because shipping, you know, and fulfillment is taking a long time, consumers told us that they're already planning, for example, Mother's Day, like they're already buying for that a month in advance, instead of the scramble two days before, because they know that in order, they, they literally can't go to a store, the only way to do it is to plan in advance online. The third thing that leads me to believe this is Wuhan uh, in China, which was kind of the first place of this whole thing that uh, was affected. I read a report from JD.com gosh, two and a half weeks ago at this point, as they started to ease restrictions and people could go out. And what ended up happening was people could start to go out more. Of course, the first thing you do is you go visit your friends and family, right? The second thing you do is if you can, you go to work. The third thing you do is you start to travel domestically. But stores cannot just immediately open to the same capacity and people are not as comfortable going in the same capacity as they did before. So what happened? JD.com reported that there were stacks of cardboard boxes outside of homes because people had new purchase reasons, going to visit people, starting to travel, buying bags, whatever, but they still had to buy all this stuff online. So just like every sign I can see points towards an increase in sales for e-commerce with evolving categories over time. That's super. That is super fascinating. So I I, I think... People who have just blow your mind a little. Well, no. Well, so people, I should just full transparency here. You and I didn't talk about this, but like, um, what you're saying is really logical to me. One of the things that I though said very early in on podcast here for anybody who's listened for a few episodes now is like, I just 
fundamentally don't believe in my ability to predict the future on this. So like, I just sort of doubt my own ability to do that. Um, to, um, so what you're saying is really logical. Um, and I think the Wuhan example is super interesting because now you've actually got sort of um, something that happened from a place that's basically doing the same thing we're doing, but it's a few weeks ahead of us um, mm-hmm. in the US. So um, so I think one of the questions- So here's is, something- Well, one of the questions I have is like sort well, something of- can... Is there anything, is there anything in your mind that's like, um, what should a merchant do about that? You know, yeah. uh, like that's that, like, yeah. does this just mean that I should go order a whole bunch more Father's Day inventory than I'm planning? It's such a good question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous about cash flow. Like generally I'm so reluctant to tell someone like, go spend tons of money because I never want to be someone who has brands, you know, locked up on inventory. They can't move. That's, that's scary to me. Um, but I can tell you a couple things literally to, I made a video this morning, literally I talked about on this video, ironically, it's kind of, uh, pertinent. So number one, I'll share a little bit of what we're learning about how consumers are discovering new brands, which should help tell you about channels. Um, and then number two, I can tell you my absolute favorite marketing lesson I've ever learned. Um, and then maybe you and I can brainstorm like well, what, what to do. About I mean, those absolute favorite marketing lesson you've ever learned. Like that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good lead in. Let's, let's, let, <laughs> I, I want to hear about it's that. It's my favorite, <laughs> yeah. favorite of all time. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. Let's, let's channels. go. So, so yeah, start with channels. Yeah. Is, yeah. Roughly 50% of consumers that respond to our survey are buying from new brands. I don't know if that's because their existing brands don't have inventory uh, or if they're buying new stuff. It's probably a combination therein. But the fact of the matter is, people are, are absolutely open to trying new things. So acquisition, in my opinion, if you have inventory, should be like foot on the gas. Um, it's like, a, it's a tough time overall, but it's certainly opportunistic for some. Um, in terms of channels, uh, this morning we looked at uh, whether people are full-time essential workers or full-time non-essential workers, uh, you and I being full-time non-essential workers currently. Um, and non-essential workers, 71% of them report discovering new brands through Google search. Now, to me, I think that's probably because they know what they want. And then either the existing retailer has long fulfillment times or is out of stock. And so they're looking for a similar or same item from different retailers. I did that literally last week with a book that I wanted. Um, the other thing that they're saying, the second most common... You read, pay, you read uh, books? Is that, is that what you're telling me? Take it to your uh, this one's hardcover. Yeah, uh. this one's hardcover. But yeah, uh, yes, I do like paper books, yeah, yeah. and I'll tell you why. Uh, for ex- I think I think based on what I can see, uh, you're similar. I love I love bookshelves, and oh, I love yeah, seeing see. things that I've learned. So like, anyways, um, word of mouth is the second uh, the second big source for discovering new brands, and then the third one is Instagram. And what we did in a previous uh, cut, we looked at people under 45 tend to discover new brands through Instagram. They also tend to buy more impulsively. Uh, and so I think that's a common thing we're seeing. And then uh, people who are over 45 tend to discover through search uh, and they tend to be more planned buyers. Uh, so I think they just do more research and they're more you know, conscientious of what they choose to buy. So anyways, the recommendation is if you're not already uh, testing different channels and testing different messaging, now, now is certainly the time and it, and it may be a time to <clears throat> increase your spend. We're hearing you know, ROAS on Google, you know, <clears throat> efficient uh, Google ads are like through the roof. And obviously you have figured out a good way to work within Facebook. So um, it's out there and, and with big, big, big retailers, 
pulling their money out of digital. It's just creating historically low CPMs and CPCs. And so you can you can just do damage if you know what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's the like the no doubt or you don't have to predict anything. That's like, that's happening. There's the CPM, it, CPMs are down. And um, and as long as that's true, uh, you know, I, we've done this calculation before, but it's, it's really simple. Like even if, even with a potentially like, now you're saying 25% unemployment rate, because that's, that's the big like X factor in the midst of all this, right? Is that like, the thing that's happening here, right, is that people are not able to work um, and therefore potentially don't have money and therefore consumer confidence is way down. So there's some questions around that. Now, this, the stimulus, at least on the very small window we've seen so far, seems to have affected that in the positive direction. But um, but anyway, even even if you're approaching, you know, 25% unemployment or something obscene like that, you know, Great Depression levels of unemployment, like... Um, this this is sort of one of the crazy things about all this is that like even with that just because as long as stores are shuttered or as people don't want to go to stores as potentially could happen like you were saying in Wuhan like um there's still <clears throat> 75% of people who have spending some kind of spending power at least and and, and are spending and they're spending and so if 50% of the places where people can spend that money are are not available and you know, the unemployment rate went to 25%. That leaves a large number of people who are still left with money to spend and need somewhere to spend it. And I think that dynamic combined with low CPMs makes, this is the thing I've been hitting on, is that it's a weird time, among other things, because channel diversity is actually um, a problem for you right now. Like for brands like ours that are exclusively e-commerce, like we do not have really any wholesale, I mean, yeah, that's not t- totally true, but it's almost completely true. I mean, ninety-nine percent of our sales are are um, e-commerce. Like having no channel diversity is a huge benefit for us right now. It means we do not have to worry yeah. about our wholesale issue or anything. Like so, yeah. So there's there's just that that dynamic makes it so that there's this opportunity now to go crazy. And I mean, I'll say like we've now more than tripled our spend for Bamboo Earth. We are trying to work as long as supply chains hold. We'll probably keep doing the same for FC Goods. We'll. For slick products, we're going the same direction. I think we're at least double our spend. Like it's just going up, 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 up. And um, and what I think the thing that you can't take away, no matter what else happens here, and and this maybe just be to double down on the point about customer acquisition, is like that if those customers have any long term value at all, <laughs> like at all, like even if you don't do a good job with retention, if you have, and if you may, maybe now's the time to get Clavio if you are <laughs> doing a bad job there, among other things, right? Um, so um, no, but but That's, like by the way. That's that's a huge prediction that I'm keeping my eye on. That basically follow this logic train, right? If CPMs and CPCs are down and spend goes up and consumers are looking for new brands, it must be true that there's going to be some subset of customers who are net new and now known that you can communicate with. Uh, we we call that owned marketing when you can communicate through owned channels. So my hypothesis is, you know, as on a secular level, if e-commerce brands increase their spend and they get more customers, they're going to have a larger base to work from going forward. And if that if that customer, exactly your point, cares a, like even a modicum of interest in your brand such that they'll open or tell anyone about it, your reliance on ads in the future is gonna go down because you have the ability to create repeat purchases in the future. Yeah. And so we actually may see a spike in overarching spending now to acquire customers and a you know year over year reduction come you know, uh, maybe this fall because it's just not as necessary. And so e-commerce companies can actually become more efficient over time by spending more now. Yeah, I, I think 
I think that's almost definitely right. Like we we are seeing email list growth for sure. Um, our own marketing channels for sure are growing right now. And and I think part of the thing this might mean, and, and maybe the sort of really practical application here is, yeah, adjust your holiday projections up a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, now. Well, and yeah. invest like one, uh, one other thing. Sure. Yeah. I have so many directions. Oh, I got no, one other I, thing. I love is, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, not all brands can sell things right now that people want. And so even those brands, while they may not be acquiring sales, I believe should invest in inquiring and growing their own marketing channel lists, email lists, SMS lists, whatever, because people do want to connect right now. And if you have good messaging, good content that people want to stay connected with, they literally will. And it will save you money down the road in this like very paradoxical for, sense. No, for sure. Like, yeah. Yes. So it's like everyone should be doing it. It's just going to help in the long run. Now, yeah. The big X factor here that's, that's like, again, really hard to predict is like what happens to the economy more broadly as stores do reopen in the long run. Like, do you do that? But I just, like, it's just like an email address is valuable if you know how to use it. I mean, even if you're not that good yes. at it, again, like it has some value to you. So like, there's just a reality to where the growth now, like, I wonder if maybe the prediction then is like um, a a larger proportion increase in Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales this year than what we had seen last year, you know, sort of year over year, something like that. Basically, if email lists are all a whole lot bigger, if, if you'll see sort of a higher percentage year over year growth on those big holiday moments, yeah, like I said, Father's Day, Mother's Day, like all of those kinds of things, because people sort of will will, will have more owned marketing channels and the ability then to um, tap into those for those big moments. So yeah, here's my prediction. Uh, I will, and then I'll tell you my favorite parking. Okay, yeah, I was, I was gonna I, just bring you back. Here. <laughs> my my prediction of what where this is gonna go is I, I have my own model of public health uh, spreading and like what I think is gonna happen by week, uh, really by day. Uh, and so like, I believe. Just to that, be clear, you created the model. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's great. Yeah, if you want to ever geek out on that, I, I have do. like predictions transmission rates daily known transmission rates of tracking it like i got all sorts of stuff okay, there yeah, this this is the uh, when we hang up uh or when we hit stop on recording this is the, this is the topic of conversation i'm fascinated by this <laughs> so um i believe pretty confidently um that we're gonna see a material flattening of net new cases uh around middle may and i think we're gonna see when i say net flattening i mean like effectively no new cases um, South Korea reported like 50 a day at the point where they were at that, you know, at that point. So I think we're seeing that middle of May. I think we're gonna have all sorts of arguments across the country of like, well, when can we reasonably reopen? And obviously, it's gonna come down to sufficient testing such that we have confidence that there aren't new cases. And we are going to be undersupplied in a sufficient number of tests to run those uh, to, to get the samples. And so that's going to drag out to mid June. I think that come July, people are going to feel comfortable taking the risk of going out into, you know, into work, into different places and whatever else. Um, but because of the public health consideration, stores are not going to be able to open all the way. They're going to limit how many people can come in. They're going to limit how much inventory they can actually get. And so the onus of shopping at a store is going to remain high, probably through September. And then I believe that around September is when we're going to discover if there's a second wave. Uh, and what that's ultimately going to do is we're not going to see that, in which case stores will open more, or we are going to see that, in which case stores will close again. And the country has gotten familiar with how to like go back home. And at some point, if there's a second wave, it's just going to say, like everyone home for two weeks, and just the country will just do it. And that's going to coincide with the holidays. And everyone's going to say, you know what? 
it's just easier when I do this from home. And we're going to see uh, come this time next year, you know, you can see like percent share of overarching retail spending that goes to e-commerce. Yep. We're going to see a step function change yeah, from like the mid teens to like low twenties yeah. uh, over the course of this year. Yeah, I, I so that's the thing. I, that's I think the actual like I've actually been trying to withhold making too many predictions in the short term um, about those kinds of things because again, I, I actually think everything you're saying makes sense to me. The problem is the moment that I say to you, right, like like. Um, should I go buy a bunch of inventory? Like, it's like, like, how seriously, like, how much do you want to bank? the Well, well, but that's such a, that's such a, like a nuanced question. Like, I don't know what your, what your cash on, on uh, your, your, uh, like cash on hand is. And I don't know, like what your sell through rates traditionally are and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you, look, if you can afford to take a risk and like double your inventory and still last for six months and not have a problem, I would say, Godspeed, go nuts. I totally agree with that. Uh, But, but like, I'll also tell you, I was looking at top performing emails by category this morning uh, with the head of the person on data science who's working with me on this. And uh, three out of the four from a sort of like random sampling that we did were all pre-orders. And so you can pre-sell a lot of stuff no, because oh. consumers are already expecting delays yeah. and then you can ship it to them later. And like, they're, actually gra- they're actually gracious about it right now. We see this with tons of our customers. We, I've talked about this with, um, with our brand Slick, which was we have one product made in China, really, uh, across all three of our brands. Um, and so it was the first thing that we ran out of stock on. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I mean, so far it's been fortunate. We'll see actually, because they're back to work. Right. So like, um, right. so, um, what, what's fascinating is like we were telling people a month delay on pre-order on these products. Um, and I mean, I don't think we've heard a peep about it. Like people have been so great. They just, they get it. They understand what happened. They're, nobody's confused about why you did that. Nobody thinks that you're like bad at your job. It's just like, Oh, you ran out of stuff. Cool. Like we get it. We'll get we'll, well. And the, the wise thing, right? And the wise thing is setting expectations so that people know that if anything, they probably say thank you. Now we know when it'll come instead of just this perpetual waiting and nothing happening. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing I come back to is like I, so I totally agree with what you're saying about cash flow. Um, having more cash to buffer this kind of thing makes it a little easier. Then you know, like the PPP loan actually may be a huge part of how people like can actually do exactly what you just said. That's certainly something we're really trying to figure out if we have or not. Like it looks mm-hmm. good for us, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, you never believe it till the cash is in your bank account. Um, but, but, uh, but like what you said about the step function and, and retail, like e-commerce is a percentage of total retail sales in the U S to me, that's like the most, like I'll bank on that prediction that like, um, even if you don't get the step function you're talking about, like the long-term growth in terms of e-commerce as a percentage of retail sales will keep rising from all of this. And if you just sort of step back and say like, like forget the next couple of years, if I'm playing a 10 to 15 year game here, like e-commerce is a really, really good world to be in. I know like um, e-com- oh. e-commerce fuel, our, our friends over there, like they just set up ECF Capital. And when they announced their their um, investment team there, like um, they were. They specifically talked about saying, like, we want to invest in people who we're, we're totally comfortable sitting on that money for 10, 15 years. Like, we we're looking at like long term growth here because we're just so confident that if you can build a good business there and you can keep a healthy, functioning, profiting, growing business, like you're going to really win over that longer term. And if you sort of combine that with worldwide trends around just the number of people in developing countries that are, are coming out of poverty and becoming more, um, you know, larger parts of the sort of global market and, and all those sorts of things. Like then you didn't coronavirus is a blip that we were talking about a while ago and, and maybe actually just accelerated the growth of the category. So I'm, I'm a as total say, believer. It's just a catalyst. Really. Yeah. That if you're in e-commerce, you're just in the right game right now. I think just as far as like total growth, it just, it just seems fairly um, clear to me that that's the case. 
yeah, not that we're biased, but I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so tell me the tell me the best marketing thing in the world. Oh yeah, best marketing lesson I ever learned. So yeah. the, so I used to work um, at CBS, the big broadcasting company, and we had a uh, basically an internal agency. We would create and pitch custom marketing campaigns across multiple channels across different uh, markets, DMAs to huge B two C brands, Ford, Allstate, things like that. Uh, and my job was to invent those things. It was awesome. And so there was a woman um, who we worked with uh, who we, we would go back to like first principles of marketing fundamentals. And one of the things that we were talking about is how to create what we now call virality, but basically word of mouth, because uh, it's the most efficient and most powerful way to succeed in both acquisition and just uh, getting sales. So what she explained, uh, which is I still am trying to find like the true source of this, but I believe it. In the 1980s, uh, Paramount Pictures, it was their most prolific time and they had they were insane. I mean, they had so many people go to movies, right? And I think it was Rich Eisner who was, who was heading it at the time. I, I have to double check. But what he said was, so the story goes, um, movies do not make their money on the first weekend because anyone can buy a bunch of ads and get everyone to show up to the movies. And like, that's easy. And of course, every dollar you spend on ads is a dollar you get in ticket sales. That was like their ratio. The way you make money on movies is weeks two through 30, if you get that far. And the way you stay in the movies is that people keep going. And the way people decide to go is when they see an ad or they heard that the movie went out, they would go ask and they would say, hey, did you go see that movie? And someone would say, yeah. And they go, hey, what's it about? And if you can explain it in a simple sentence, someone would go, oh, that's cool. Was it good? Yes, fine. I think I'll go. And like, that was it. That was the whole thing. And so what they started to do is they said, look, knowing that that's how the conversation goes about movies, let's pick the sentence that we want people to say and build a movie around that sentence. And that's all they did. And so every single time when they would put out a movie, they had in their head already, it's about whatever, the dog that runs away and finds his way home and like yes it was great in the end and people like oh i'd like to go see that and it totally nailed it and so when we took that and we said let's architect the sentence that we want one person to say to another and once we have that sentence let's build campaigns let's build storylines that bring that sentence to life and then tell people tell your friends about it and they just say the sentence and like off it goes because it's very easy to understand and so as an example of this this is my hypothesis as to why you know the movie Inception. Yep. Do you like Do you like that movie? Never saw it. Okay. So, but I know what it's about. Bad example, because you haven't seen it. What is it about? <laughs> uh, somebody who is uh, like uh, in a story within a story, basically something like that, right? Yeah, right. Like, like what? Like how do you even explain it? Yeah. And, and the reality is, with that movie, their box office sales were terrible, but everyone knows about this movie, and most people watch it on TV. Take like the opposite. Take like i don't know sleepless in seattle you ever seen that no man do you watch movies yeah, it's interesting i have decided in life that i am comfortable i do watch movies but i um i have i have decided that i'm comfortable missing out on stuff there's too much stuff okay <laughs> I, I just Got can't it. get told not movies <laughs> so but anyways but i take, i think like, i know what sleepless in seattle's about too so uh yeah it's like yeah. a guy that meets a girl and they you know surprisingly fall in love and like okay right. fine and like everyone knows that and they can go see it. Yeah. And so that movies like that do great in the box office and then, you know, didn't as much at home. Huh. So anyways, the message in all of this is if you can design the sentence that you expect someone to say and then work campaigns around it, it'll work. So, yeah. Okay. So I love it. So how did, 
how did that come up in the midst of coronavirus? Was that, or like, like what, was there a reason that that lesson got triggered for you in the midst of all this? uh, Well, number one, I think about it every day with everything I do. Number two, uh, I mean, yeah, that's like, that's, it's a, that's a totally brilliant way of framing. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah, just, so it's, it's basically positioning. And so in the context of coronavirus, you know, what I tell brands when I talk to them is like, you need to think about your buyers, what they care about and what they would tell someone else. So, you know, if you sell, what's an example, if you sell sweatshirts, like you, there's so many ways you can communicate the value of that sweatshirt. You could say it's the coolest new style. It's the best fabric. You could say cool new designs, whatever. But the reality is no one cares right now. What they care about is like, you need to feel good and comfortable at home. And so if you want to design something around that, you might say that, hey, you want someone to tell someone else, you should get this sweatshirt. It's the most comfortable sweatshirt out there and it'll make you feel great when you're stuck at home. And like, so when someone says, did you buy that? Do you like it? They will literally say back, yes, it's the most comfortable thing I've ever owned and I feel great when I'm at home. And if you just like slap that as your campaign, as your positioning, it will connect and resonate back to the purchase triggers and the needs that people have in their new context at home. And they'll tell everyone about it and it will sell. Yeah, this uh, uh, Taylor Holiday at CTC has been been, uh, just summarizing that as message of the moment. Um, And I think if you sort of fill in message of the moment, because like that that can look to advertisers, I think like like um, be op- be opportunistic about a pandemic in a way that's like a little gross. Um, I I think if people are um, if people are taking that wrong, or even like make it about like I saw one cut of an ad come through that was like you know I'm trying to look on the bright side right now, and I was like Ugh, I just don't think you want to say quite that. Like if if I got served that ad. And my mom had died from coronavirus. Like it would be a pretty big bummer. So um, totally, or you know, whatever. Maybe the way to so, but but what you're, you're saying, me, what you're saying, I think is yeah. is right. Which is like is message the moment um, by starting with that thing that you want somebody to say um, in one sentence in a way that's clear in this moment right now. Like is aware of that. Um, so it's not just about like say something about a pandemic. It's about just like really think through what your customer, how your customer is engaging right now. Um, with your product and with their life and then really try to figure out how you naturally fit into that space basically and and in one sentence and because the thing i the thing i actually really like about that story about paramount and i think it's totally logical like it makes perfect sense to me that 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 happened is what it actually rests on is this understanding of the mechanism by which people see movies like there's just sort of a a level of like knowing what what your customer is doing there um that i think for a lot of us in e-commerce it's it's actually kind of hard to access if you're not out with your people very often or whatever, you, you have to work pretty hard to go figure out like, okay, well, after my product gets to somebody, then what do they do? And then like, how do they use okay, it? Okay, so, oh, this, yes, yeah, this is my go, favorite. Go, 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 okay, go. So, so a couple of things. Number one, I think you've helped me think this through a little bit and here's a way I might position or message this guidance. Um, instead of marketing or advertising for the first sale, market or advertise for the referral. And if you just do that, it will force you to think through the step of how someone gets the message and passes it on. And you will not come across as opportunistic. You will come across as thoughtful and it will help. That's number one. So thank you for that. I really agree with that. I I like that a lot. I mean, yeah, I like that a a whole lot. And if you can, in the midst of that, prioritize just making the customer experience great while while thinking actively about that second thing, I think you will probably accomplish that. Yeah. Uh, I completely lost my train of thought on the second thing, but I was really excited. That's completely my fault. I totally interrupted you. I liked the point too much. Um, yeah. So, okay. So 
maybe if you think of it, just just jump back in with it. The yeah, thing. I um, But maybe Sorry. we can kind of wrap on a couple of things. Like, um, I'm really, again, curious, sort of anything else you're seeing at the sort of macro level across brands that to you, when you read the data that's coming across your screen right now on a daily basis, like what are the, what are the really big other sort of like, here's what I can see from where I sit that's like jumping off the page to you or jumping off the screen to you, if anything. Um, I, uh, so I struggle with this cause like I stuff that I see now for a week in a row is novel to the world, but I'm on the front front line. So I like try and calibrate and, uh, get that right. Um, you know, the, the most interesting thing for me, I like to think in terms of frameworks. So I, one of the things that we figured out, and this is kind of a note coming way back when you were talking about, Oh, I'm hesitant with predictions. Cause I don't know if I'm right. I constantly ask myself in what ways could I be wrong and then try and validate that. Uh, and so like with Wuhan, you know, one of the things that one could say is, well, China's not the U.S. So what's to say that what happens there is going to be what happens here? Interestingly, we we um, looked into sales in Italy about a month ago before it was happening in U.S. to try and predict what would happen in the U.S. And we saw the exact same categories trend the, almost identically week over week in terms of percent sales. And the insight that that gave us was humans are humans uh, and they act mostly the same in you know situations of duress or material changes and and only when all of that is unencumbered then like societal changes come into play and so that gave us this uh or gave me this belief um which you may have heard from us uh i think spending is following maslow's hierarchy of needs and so uh for listeners just to level set maslow was a sociologist psychologist in the mid-1900s and had this hierarchy of needs which says you know, normal people, what makes them do what they do. And so uh, it's by needs. And the first need is, you know, security, food, shelter, water, then belonging, because we're social creatures, then self-esteem, because you need to feel good about yourself. And only when you feel good about yourself is the next one self-actualization, where you can pursue creative endeavors and sort of expand. And if you look at the pace at which different categories started to grow, uh, they're in roughly that order. First, people freaked out. They bought three weeks worth of food. Uh, all the Purell, all the paper towels, all the toilet paper were sold out. Uh, then they started buying office equipment at home. They started streaming more. They started connecting with friends on Facebook and Zoom and uh, uh, FaceTime and whatever. Um, then they started buying things that feel good. Health and fitness equipment, making their home look better, um, You know, fitness apparel, things like that. And then the creative stuff started to kick in. People are buying uh, electronics. People are buying toys and games. Uh, in New York City, toys and games as a category is up 130% since six weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and so it's just it's just following that, you know, like almost perfectly. And so that's that's kind of the, I have so many points that contribute into that, but that's kind of the big summary. Like think about as a product, which of those core human uh, needs you fulfill. And that's really what's going to drive whether or not people buy and in what order they do buy, I think. Yeah, that that. That, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. We, we've certainly seen some elements of that in our own little area. We, we kind of have various levels of essentialness in the three brands that we own right now. And it is, we've watched that happen where my least essential products are now actually starting to swell a lot more. Whereas for a couple of weeks, we got crushed. Uh, and, and it does seem to me that one of the things that's happening is at least some percentage of buyers who at first like, even though they probably had plenty of money and didn't need to worry about, we're even still were sitting on their cash for a week or two. Like we, we just saw a big mm-hmm. drop immediately for a short period of time across the board, and now that's Is that an apparel company. Uh, 
No, it was not. But I, uh, not for our brands, but um, but the some I know at least one CTC brand where that was true. There was an apparel company where oh, it was yeah. like, oh crap, we're getting killed. Let's pull all our ad spend and cut our agency fees. And then it was like, oh, actually, we're smashing the world. <laughs> so um, exactly. Yeah. So there's it's a that, chart if turn. you go. On our website, if you go to clayview.com and click on the green header bar and you scroll down, you can see sales year over year sales trends by category. And apparel shows that on March 15th, it like it goes below last year's sales, but it's the steepest slope back up since yeah. then. I, yeah, I, it just makes all the sense in the world to me. It seems like people are going to need to buy clothes still and you, it's, you can't go to a store. So uh, totally. it's, it's kind of that simple. All right, man. Um, I want to... Um, end it here unless there's any other burning thoughts or if you thought of your number two from earlier no no no. we we covered so many wonderful things I'm okay sure cool. we'll talk more in the future we can share more then yeah um so uh, jake tell me um where people should follow you you guys i think are doing um i know you're leading this doing just a, a ridiculously great job compiling all this putting it out there um so um you give me give me the spots where if people want to kind of stay up um on all that you are putting out for us to see where should they go uh, so the, the best place to go is clavio.com and click on the green header bar at the top. There's a website we update, update multiple times a day with fresh content. Uh, if you want to see little tidbits that come along, you can follow Clavio on your favorite social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, or LinkedIn. It's just Clavio. Um, I also share a ton of stuff that's a little bit more my opinion are things that I think are important. And my handle on Twitter is J-F-C-C-O-H-E-N. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm Jake Cohen. Uh, Facebook's not the right place for that. Uh, but you can also email me if you have questions, jake.cohen at clavio.com. I love connecting with people and sharing what we know. Cool. Thank you. And really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. If you're not at this point on e-commerce Twitter, like what are you doing? Get on e-commerce Twitter. It's great. E-commerce Twitter is a, is it defies everything you've ever heard about social media. Like people are friendly and warm to one another. And, and like I'm watching real friendships happen all over the place outside of the, like, it's just like everybody is trying to help each other because the reality is that like for so many of our e-commerce brands, like we're not even really competing with each other. We're competing with the gigantic behemoths who are not on e-commerce Twitter. So it's fine. Um, so yep. so yep. go go hang out. Somebody sent me after I sent that uh, thing about our skincare company out uh, this week on Twitter. I, uh, what I talked about on the podcast last week, I, I put into a tweet storm with uh, in a blog post with sort of all the assets. Which was amazing. There. So awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, but I, it's the same thing I talked about on the last um, podcast or two ago about Bamboo Earth landing page stuff that we did. Somebody emailed me directly in follow-up to that podcast who is also selling clean skincare and saying like, hey, can I see all those assets? And I was like, sure. Like, sure. I'm not yeah, competing right. with you. I'm competing with friggin', you know, uh, Maybelline or whatever. Yeah, I guess they're makeup, but you, you get the idea. Um, so anyway, totally. so get on e-commerce Twitter, follow Jake, um, and uh, and get in the conversation. There's good people there. Um, cool. Thanks again, man. Appreciate your time a lot. Let's uh, let's do this again. Let's let's follow up on this as stuff keeps coming, and um, and maybe we'll get Aaron Orndorff in here as well, and and roundtable it. I would love to.